corner with me, Brian Campbell. This is the professional wrestling edition. Now, me, I am handsome Nick Costos, and I got to tell you, I am all fired up after watching that Ric Flair 30 for 30, because there's a part of me that feels like I am the modern day nature boy Ric Flair. I've got the $600 shoes. I've got the $300 tie. I've got the $1,000 suit jacket. But just like the nature boy Ric Flair, underneath this expensive tanned exterior lies an insecure man who covers up for all of his insecurities with money, with a tan, and with the job. Because I am petty and I am pathetic, and I am insecure. And you can follow me on Instagram, at the Costos. And as always, I am joined by my tag team partners. First up, you know him as the Czar. He is the lover of all things Russia. He is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now. And as always, I am also joined by the man whose name is on the marquee. Come on. He is the icon. Bring it. He is the main event. Let's go. He is the showstopper. My man. He is the whole effing show. One time. Is the bod that runs the pod. Stay hyped. Is the mast that guides the cast. Here we go. You know his name, damn it. He is the Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. DC, tell him what's on the podcast. Fine, listeners. You're going to want to do yourselves a favor. And get some of this because after weeks of disjointed, disappointing builds and booking, pro wrestling is back this week. Not just WWE, but New Japan. We've got big news, big takes, big reactions. Heck, we even have, we got all that. And we are backed by the biggest force of nature known today in the world of combat sports audio, that performance enhancing audio. So tune in, drop out, sit down. Hey, strap up. And get ready for feel spot violation from me, the Silver King, and the one man who has put his hands all over the state of Florida, from Pensacola to Pembroke Pines, from Naples to the Nordstrom and Aventura. It's the most passionate man in North America, Handsome Nick Costos. And Handsome Nick Costos looks great thanks to my buddy Paul from the Nordstrom and Aventura. Shout out to Paul. Great intro as always from the the cousin Yuri, the Victor Conti, the King Balco, the first of our performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell. Now, BC, Silver King, audience, you know how we begin each and every show. We do so with the main event. This is the main event. Now, we've been doing this podcast for, what, six, seven, eight months now? I I think this might be the newsiest week of professional wrestling that we have had, and it's going to be a pleasure to dive into it with you guys and for you, dear listeners. It is a triple part, a three part main event and we will cover American wrestling. We will cover Japanese wrestling and the intersection between the two. So we're going to get into Alpha and Omega. We're going to get into the New Day and the Shield, but we begin in Manchester, England. Smackdown Live on Tuesday. Brian Campbell, the reign of Jinder Mahal has come to a close. AJ Styles beats Jinder for the WWE Championship on SmackDown Live, and that now sets up a dream match. AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. Oh, hell yeah, Nick. You know, I mean, there's people coming at me on social media going, oh, BC, what does it sound like inside your body right now? Field spot activation, Nick, for all the things you mentioned. They called Woodstock 
three days of love and music. This was three days for wrestling fans of just love, mar- milk of Marknesia, and feel spot violations. And arguably, Nick, the best of this news is AJ Styles, like you mentioned. This is WWE taking, Nick, a few bad weeks of booking that really frustrate us, that really challenge us in terms of making those weak leaps of disbelief and going, why did they do this instead of this? And it's like they just blew all that up and did what we would have wanted from the beginning. Nick, you basically said it. Styles versus Brock Lesnar is a dream match. I don't care how they book it. I don't care if it is the main event at Survivor Series. We're getting it. It's what we should be getting right now. It's WWE saying we want as many people to get network subscriptions as we can and get excited about this. Not we stubbornly want to do what we want to do and see if you're going to still watch anyway. This obviously fixed is the whole on SmackDown, the whole meaning Jinder Mahal's title reign. But even more important than that, Nick, AJ and Brock, big against little, two legends who have never shared the ring before. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's it, it's amazing. And, you know, I think that we should, guys, and you know I'm very humble. I'm the most humble person on this podcast. I'm the most humble person in North America. But with that being said, I think that we here in this corner should take the credit for the booking decisions made by WWE this week, because WWE, you know that they listened to In This Corner, and they have been hearing us absolutely assailing the booking the last couple of weeks, and they said, you know what? We can't go with Jinder Mahal and Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series, Brian Campbell. We can't do it. In This Corner doesn't like it, and damn it, In This Corner is right. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to hot shot the title on AJ Styles, and we are going to give the fans what they want, and we want to see AJ, and we want to see... Brock Lesnar. And this is awesome. And honestly, if you're a wrestling fan, you got to love this. And look, I kind of like Jinder Mahal. And we'll get into what's next for Jinder Mahal coming up in moments here. But bottom line here, Brian Campbell, what more could you have asked for? If they had said to you, what match do you want in Survivor Series in the main event? Pick one worker from SmackDown, one worker from Raw. I think chances are a lot of people would have said AJ Styles against Brock Lesnar. So I think you can do nothing but applaud WWE for the decision. And this is now the second time that AJ Styles has won a belt at, 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 a, at, a, at an event that was not broadcast live, obviously winning the U.S. title back at a house show at Madison Square Garden. So a great moment for the fans across the pond in Manchester, England. And now we get this match. And I'm kind of with you, bud. I almost don't care how it's booked. I think Brock will win, obviously, because they want to keep Brock strong. But I'm so pumped. I'm so fired up now for Survivor Series. This really did do it for me, and I marked out big time watching SmackDown on Tuesday night, AJ Styles winning the WWE Championship. I mean, you said it. You said, like, did we book this? I literally had three tweets coming at me right after it happened of, finally, BC, they gave you the book because they're doing what is not just best for business. Like, and AJ Brock really is best for business. It's one of those matches. But like you said, it's it's what they should be doing if your goal is to satisfy the fans. If your goal is to put forth on a major and Survivor Series is back to being considered a major again. Remember, for a short span, Money in the Bank kind of lapped it. Survivor Series is a major again, and this is a major main event. Just like last year, Nick, Brock versus Goldberg was a major main event. It was a must-see. You had to see it. And if this is the last match on the card, which really it should be, the two top champions, in, in, you know, maybe the maybe their best draw or, or unrivaled draw in Brock. I mean, Cena maybe brings more numbers, but Brock is a pure draw against their best worker. And AJ, I mean, there's so many dream elements to it, and it's WWE getting it right. I mean, Lesnar versus... Uh, gender would have been interesting, right? We, we would have loved to see the Singh brothers get tossed around the ring and bounced off of things. And it would have been, okay, what are they going to do to make it good? Is it going to be a squash match? Is it going to be Nothing. a heavyweight title match? Or is it just going to be awful? 
And still, that's not bad booking. Like, it's okay. But this is great booking. And great booking matters. And it's the time for great booking. And for all the crap we gave them, Nick, and they deserved all of that crap. Like we, like you always say on the show, we'll, we'll, tell, we'll be honest. We'll tell you when they're good. We'll tell you when they're bad. They were bad. They are very good again. This feels like a major mea culpa. It feels like a gift to the fans. And it feels like, Nick, that we deserve it. And it's also the end of the road there for uh, Jinder Mahal after a surprisingly long title run. Yeah, and you know, I, I want to say this about Jinder, and I'll, Silver King will chime in here in a second as the, the resident Jinder Mahal hater on this podcast. I thought Jinder was very good on Tuesday night, and I thought that was his best match I've ever seen Jinder Mahal have. Now, look, obviously you can say a lot of that has to do with AJ Styles, and that is an argument that I cannot combat because AJ is obviously is great. I, I think that if you were going to tell me Jinder Mahal was going to hold the belt for, what, five, six months? I would have said there's no way it would have been as good as it was. But overall, I was pretty happy with Jinder's performance over the course of this of this, uh, of this this run. I felt it was kind of an unfair position to put him in because he clearly wasn't ready for it. And that's a story for, for another time. And look, and that's a tact that people can take and say, look, Jinder should have never been given the belt. And you're probably right. But the job he did with it, the promos that he was cutting, the match quality was starting to get better. I'm now very curious to see what they do with Jinder Mahal. Now, Silver King, I feel like you probably, you have the emotions probably of most of the fans watching WWE, and you probably loved it just as many fans did watching the main event of SmackDown Live. Take us through it, what you felt, maybe you saw the spoiler, and how you felt when you realized the belt was being taken off Jinder. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed, washed my tears away. Oh, happy day. Listen, let, let me put it like this, guys. Wow, look at that. Look at that Silver King it, karaoke. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. That. that won't happen quite often because my voice is terrible. Um, look, <laughs> Jinder Mahal is WWE champion, and I, I've been saying it for as long as it's happened. So five months now. It didn't work. Okay, it was terrible. He wasn't good with the title. All of that said, and I'm not going to drone on about it because I've said it over and over again. Nick's right. To, like last night, Tuesday night was his best, the best match of his career, probably. The last three weeks have been the best promo work of his career. And the last three weeks have been the best build to a feud of Jinder Mahal's career. So what, you're, so what I'm stuck here saying to myself is, look, I'm extremely happy that AJ Styles is the new WWE champion and is going to be in this match with Brock Lesnar. But they finally built Jinder to a point where he seemed to be a legitimate champion and was cutting good promos, not the repetitive crap that we were dealing with for five months. They finally got there, and then they took the title off him. What, is, what should have happened with WWE is all of this stuff with gender should have, been, should have gone down with the U.S. title. Because if you do, and then you take the title off him at this point, then you can catapult him into that world title picture. You've made him legitimate or more legitimate than he was, and now you're giving him an opportunity to kind of show what he's done and compete for a title at that level. Instead, they had him learning on the job at a bigger championship that was way above his pay grade. So... I'm happy. I'm conflicted here because I want to tell you how happy I am that AJ Styles is the new champion, and I don't have to deal with Jinder anymore. But guys, guess what? I don't think this is going to last too long. This is a title change for Survivor Series, and you you know the only thing better than Jinder Mahal going into India as WWE champion, winning the WWE title in India, and that's where this is going, in my opinion. That's a really good point about we thought that that or at least me, I thought that was the holdup in gender losing the belt. I thought they 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 showed their cards and maybe they did show their hand and maybe this was a reactionary decision from WWE 
in light of other things that were happening, include possibly the Chris Jericho news that we're going to get to. We can argue that left or right. But at the very least, it was the right decision. But Jinder came out on Instagram after losing the title and sent a message that I thought personally was aimed at the, at the Silver King, but I'll read it. <laughs> to AJ Styles, you were the better man for one night. Six months I held the WWE Championship, defended it countless times all over the world. I will one day raise the title again to my haters and so-called wrestling insiders. Silver King. Not an experiment. I am not injured. I have not violated the wellness policy. So keep throwing shade my way, Adam. It only motivates me. End quote. You can decide for yourself whether that Adam was added by me. But hey, Silver King, you did well to, to say to give the guy the nod. Where does he go next, Nick? 3MB reunion, of course. Of course, that's where he goes next. I mean, I think he's just going to be an upper level heel from this point moving forward. And look, maybe Silver King's right. And he wins the WWE title back in India, which would be a great moment there. Obviously, WWE looking to expand their presence and, and get more money flowing in in India. But I got to, you know, the Maharaja, the Singh brothers, I'm kind of going to look back at this title reign and I'm not going to hate it as much as as much as most people did. I actually, honestly, I kind of liked it. The matches weren't great. The, the, the program against Shinsuke was obviously a, a total disgrace. But overall, I think Jinder did a lot better than he had any right to do in this spot. Remember, remember the at, well, guys, we were we were at WrestleMania and we remember the Andre the Giant Battle Royal when Rob Gronkowski got involved in that match, and Mojo Rawley eliminated Jinder. If someone had told you in that moment that Jinder would have the belt for five, six months, you'd have said, no way. He actually acquitted himself fairly nicely. So I want to give some props to Jinder, and I hope that Jinder gets another run in the spotlight here, because I like him at this point as an upper card heel. I don't know if he's ever going to, he should ever get a long reign as champion again, but I kind of like Jinder in this spot. He can't stay as an upper card heel, though, because it's too crowded, and I really feel like this is one and done, but at least... No, it can't be one. You can't give the guy six months okay. with the belt and he's it's, one and done. Nick, it's not a one and done in the terms that he's going to go back to full-on jobbing. And when I say 3MB reunion, I'm half kidding. I half kind of want it because I kind of want to see them redeem the 3MB, not be a comedic thing, but actually bring them back together. But but be heels, be mid-card heels, essentially what you're mentioning. He'll probably get one more feud, a shorter one, against an upper mid guy. But I really think this is the end for him at the top. But it did accomplish the goal, like, like Silverstein kind of said, of like, if you go to jail and you hope somebody gets re- rehabilitated, they, they cut him and he got rehabilitated. They put the belt on him and he only improved. So everything worked and we won't know the long run worked until we know the financials in India, but everything worked. But let's not look back too fondly, Nick. He may have exceeded. He may have maxed himself out, Nick. But that doesn't mean that Jinder was ever had the ceiling to be a good WWE champion, though. So we can like, you're not wrong. You're Mac, not wrong. Maxing himself out, but it, you know, what, what do you got, Adam? You guys are also yeah. looking at this as of today, and like I just said, the last three weeks, we I think universally, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. The last three weeks, we universally said Jinder's doing the best work he's ever done. You're forgetting the four months prior where he was terrible, not just terrible in the ring. Terrible on the mic, repetitive promos, and maybe a lot of that's whoever was writing for him and booking for him. So maybe that's not all on him. But guys, it was bad. And it, Jinder, I'm sorry, buddy. It was an experiment. That's all you can call this. That's what this was. And WWE, at least on the SmackDown side, I'm not saying they ruined their product, but for a four-month period of time, 
the male singles division on SmackDown was completely upside down, and they were not giving us as good of booking or content or storylines as they could have because this guy had the championship. And that's, Maybe that's why the raw booking was so amazing from Great Balls through, through uh, you know, remember? Hey, it's better than Great Balls of Fire. Touche. I mean, from Great Balls through SummerSlam, maybe that's why the raw booking was so good to even it out. I mean, but it was, an, it was a memorable time frame, like you said, Nick, at the very least. I got it. I, 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 I don't. I don't even know why this is the case, but I, I, I love Jinder Mahal. Like I want Jinder <laughs> Mahal at the top of the car moving forward. Like I think the guy is great. I don't know why, but he cracks me up. The Singh brothers are really funny. And I think like when the camera comes on him, like off of something else, and he's like staring into the like, gazing into the distance, laughing hysterically, holding the belt. Like the guy is a character. Like he has evolved into something that I think is pretty good. And I will say it. I, Nick Costos, on what day is today? What day is it today? November it's 8th. November 8th in the year of our Lord, 2017. I, Nick Costos, am an unabashed Jinder Mahal mark. I'm a Ginger Mahal guy, and I will be moving forward here. So I hope that Ginger stays near the. You, it's pronounced Mayhall, Nick. I was just going to try to correct. <laughs> I hope that I hope that Ginger stays at the top of the card. Um, so just, let's quickly. Well, one point on the full revolution is remember when he first had that match with AJ Styles on SmackDown, like a month into his reign, and we were like, we thought AJ could give anybody a great match. He could give James Ellsworth a great match. He couldn't give Ginger. Give him credit, like you said, Tuesday night. Yeah. Was a really damn good match. What do you think is going to happen in the main event at Survivor Series? Huh, it, you know, I mean, the money leads toward, like you have been saying all along, Nick, that everything they have done since, like, Fastlane or Royal Rumble has been to build for next year's WrestleMania. And you know what? Your points do kind of match up. That leads you to believe Lesnar goes over, but I don't really think that Lesnar needs to. Can we can we have a smudge finish, finish that sort of spins off into separate feuds and still a Brian, I'm giving you the book. What's the smudge finish? Well, what well, are you thinking? You know, I, I didn't take the time to set something up, which is which is my fault. But I'm just. Well, saying, I, I did. To be fair, I did kind of hit you with it on the spot with with, with no preparation, so it is kind of my fault. It's more about where does where is AJ going back to on his own SmackDown side after this? Is there a way to start that in this match? That's the you know the bigger question because these guys aren't going to start a program, right? This is going to be another example of what we had with Finn, which was a one-time gift. But this one-time gift can still be great without a finish. If there needs to be a finish, it's going to be Brock. I think we all know that. And it's amazing, by the way. AJ Styles is like Mariano Rivera. He's the closer. It's like, all right, the you-know-what's hitting the fan. We need someone to face Finn Balor. Let's call AJ Styles. Oh, like, the Survivor Series main event isn't doing as well as we hoped it would. Let's call our closer and out of the bullpen. Here's AJ Styles to face Brock Lesnar. You're right, and the booking just obviously came to me. It's going to be Jinder and the Singh brothers screwing him so so Lesnar gets the victory. I mean, that's that shouldn't have just came to me. It's really obvious. And then, Adam, it probably sets him up to maybe win the title in India like you're trying to book. But again, like we set the start, Nick, I don't care where it goes because we get the gift. And I don't really yeah. like one night gifts in WWE. Right. I like long courting. I like to get I like to be wined and dined, Nick. All right. And all right, then, don't, and then don't, 69, don't, yeah. don't shake my hand and then put your other hand right in my feel hole. I, you know, I don't do that, Nick. OK. I'll do that on November 19th. They also gave yes, us... and you were a gentleman, of course. You would never do that. They also gave us the gift still, even though they're not having the match of Paul Heyman just tearing apart Jinder Mayhall. So, like, we still got that part of it. You know, at least we got the build, even if we're not getting the match between the two. That's all. No, I'm going to move on here in a second. But, like, in all seriousness, am I nuts? Am I nuts for, like, wanting Jinder to stay at the top of the card? Like, and be honest, guys. No. No, not at this point, because he's... They've built him. Like, that's all, that's the whole point I'm making. The last four months were terrible, but the last three weeks, like he's legitimate now. I think I think they've they have a made man. They just did it the wrong way. 
PC? I'm, obs I'm obsessed with the modern day Maharaj. I think he's my favorite wrestler. I don't know how or when this happened, but as I sit here doing this, like you can help you can talk. You guys can see me here on Skype, audio medium listeners camp, and I have a huge smile on my face right now. The modern day Maharaja, Jinder Mahal. I never thought I would say, I might have to get a Jinder Mahal shirt. I want Jinder to win that. I might stay up if it's broadcast somewhere. Like I'm watching New Japan Pro Wrestling to watch my guy Jinder Mahal win the WWE Championship back from AJ Styles. Right, somebody it was a milk bottle out of Nick's hands right now. I mean, it's, come on, it's, let's, not, let's not go too far. It is. It's kind of it's pathetic on my part, and I'll probably regret saying all of this, but in the moment, it feels real and it feels spectacular. And what else was real and spectacular? The second part of our main event. How about at the end of Raw? I thought this was pretty cool watching it live. I was actually off on Monday. I got to watch Raw live as opposed to watching it at four in the morning when I got home from work. So this was pretty cool. The New Day doing the Shield entrance in the stands, uh, distracting um, Ambrose and Seth Rollins, leading to Sheamus and Cesaro winning the Tag Team Championships back, teasing Under Siege, part two, and setting the stage, Brian Campbell, for a possible New Day Shield match at survivor series oh my god the feel hole has been stuffed oh we i thought we weren't allowed to call it that wow that was gross you oh, should be oh, part two of uh oh hell yeah nick are you kidding me like this would have been my lead story of the week outside of the jericho news with kenny omega because this is massive and why it's massive is because it specifically continues the repair of the start of the under siege angle, which ad nauseum, I told you how much I didn't like it. This really repairs it. And it also does something that as these raw and SmackDown survivor series teams started to get filled, remember I sort of said, well, Hey, like, you know, Bobby Roode and Shinsuke, like, like, okay, I don't really want them in this match, but the guys like that upper mid guys filling those spots did leave guys like AJ in the new day, out of the Survivor Series team. So you're saying to yourself, well, they probably have something bigger, right? And now this, I mean, we don't know for sure, but man, all points, all signs are telling you. New Day versus The Shield, like that's a all-star game match. That's what Survivor Series should be about. If they keep building up this, well, this is the one time of the year when Brand goes versus Brand, which by the way, is totally false. By the way, it's not the only time of year it happens. It happens in every major, in some form, some degree, some fashion, whatever. It happens in the Rumble every year. Who cares, whatever. But if you're going to play it up like that and this is your all-star game, holy crap, this is an all-star match between two kind of face teams. It's, they're completely different. It's so perfect in every way. But even better than that, even better than just popping for that match, Nick, it, it kind of made me feel better about the Under Siege push. In the whole and, thing. And, and, and Brian, by the way, I don't know how you feel. I, I think you probably agree. Silver King, I'm sure you agree. Listeners, you agree. I was not especially fired up for Survivor Series a week ago or two weeks ago. Now I can't wait for Survivor Series. Like, this is going to be awesome. Wow. I love Mark. I love, like, babyface Mark version of Nick. Like, Mark we get, we get the full spectrum of Nick, right? We get handsy Nick. We get angry Nick. New York Nick. Well, now we're getting, like, full-on nine-year-old, like, to no, talk to here's the thing. Like, you, but, you always get, but you always get honest Nick. And I, like, some, some guy wrote, wrote a review saying Nick is so negative. He goes, oh, like. It's very subjective. Look, I'm welcome to my opinion just like you are. If I hate something, I'm going to say it. If I like it, I'm going to say it. I I'm super – how could you not be into this? Like, Brian, this is going to be awesome. Survivor Series is going to be sick. I know, man. I mean, I heard you laugh. I, I saw the bold. I heard you laugh. I heard you get off on it, I mean, this is fantastic, brother. Like, this is what you want. I love what it does to the under siege angle. I also love what it's doing to this card now because this is a loaded card right now. There's seven matches on the card right now, and that doesn't include the New Day in the Shield if that's the direction that they're going. 
I mean, this has the potential to be a Mania SummerSlam, like, five and a half, six-hour card now. And like you said, Nick, I literally want to see every single match on the card because they're making it maybe outside of the women's match. I'm not saying I don't... Well, well, let's let's wait until after SmackDown because I think Charlotte's going to win the belt on SmackDown next week. I don't, I'm not saying it's not going to be good. I'm not saying I won't be excited for it. I'm just saying storyline-wise, like, there's nothing there right now. Really, outside of that, every other storyline, I'm pumped up to see what happens. And that's uh, what you want coming in here. So, New Day coming into the crowd, Raw rallying a team together. The one thing we haven't seen yet, guys, is the Raw retaliation. When do we see it, and how big does it need to be? I, th- I think it'll be coming. It has to come up soon because Survivor Series is, is on the way here. So something's going to happen. Maybe it'll be the go-home show before before Survivor Series. But, man, this match, Shield and New Day, it's going to be five stars. Or it's going to be really close to it. And here's my takeaway. It's two takeaways. Number one, it's great, and I'm really into it. Number two, and Bry and Silver King, you guys have been more negative about the product than I've been recently. And I'm not saying that to disparage you. I think it's very fair. Like, how hard is it for WWE to get this stuff right? Like, where was this three weeks ago? Like, how difficult is it to say, look at the stars that we have on the roster. Why can't they do this on a monthly basis? This match is going to be, um, this like, like the New Day Usos matches were all great. Now you've got the added star power of the Shield in this three-on-three match. And again, it's not official yet. We're assuming it's going to happen. Silver King, Bry, this match is going to be amazing. This card is going to be sick. Like, Survivor Series is going to be awesome. If they book this match, which... As we both all said, all indications are they're going to. I'm making a prediction. WWE match of the year. And I say that, just like you said, Nick, coming off, of, coming off of New Day Usos, we saw, what, six amazing four to five star matches between them. We had, what, Cena Styles, right? We had Bait Dunn, and then you could make an argument maybe for Styles Balor or that main event at, at SummerSlam that I know you guys popped at, right? The, all, the talent, the technical ability... And a two-week, extremely quick, loaded storyline. You're going to have Roman Reigns returning Monday night on Raw, saying to Ambrose and Rollins, yo, guys, what happened last week? Blah, blah, blah. They're going to be able to reunite as the Shield again for the first time since his illness and talk about it. And there's there's not a lot of time left, as Nick said, before Survivor Series. In fact, there's a week. So that invasion has to happen on SmackDown. And what's going to happen on SmackDown, the Shield's going to go through the crowd and beat the hell out of New Day at some point. So, in, in Adam, it's got to be the Shield, right? To make the yeah. retribution really work in the story and have the biggest impact, it's it's got to be the Shield. And it also repairs the fact that we were going to see the Shield in a stupid, idiotic three-on-five match at TLC in a match with Kane and and the Bar and the Miz. Which you know, I like these guys, not Kane, but instead we're getting the Shield reunion against New Day. Like you can't book better than that. And they did it on a, what seems to us to be on a whim. So good for them and kudos. Let me just point out this. I asked Nick an important question about booking. He passed over the question. He actually, he just stiff-armed it, like rejected it just to mark out like a third time. People, that shows you that like, yeah, we hammer WWE and they deserve it. But this is really what they're doing right. Like how happy is the Silver King? How happy is Nick right now? How happy is BC right now? How happy is Katie? <laughs> like, we're all happy. Like, heck yeah. Like, let's put the analysis. Maybe Nick's right. Put the analysis to the side and just continue passing around these milk bottles. Like, yes. Well, well, we, Katie Vick is dead, so I don't think she's very happy. But the, but the three of us and hopefully you, dear listener, are very happy. You know, it just goes to show. And I said this might be the newsiest week that we've had in, in quite some time, maybe in the whole time we've been doing this podcast, that the fact 
that earlier, and we are taping this on Wednesday around 1 o'clock in the afternoon on the East Coast, that the fact that Shane McMahon announcing on Twitter on Wednesday morning that John Cena is going to be the fifth and final member of Team SmackDown at the SmackDown versus Raw match. That's, what are we, 25, 30 minutes in the show? We haven't even mentioned this. What a great 48 hours in WWE. And look, whether you like John Cena or you hate John Cena, I happen to like the guy. There's no doubt, and Brian, as you say, it raises the rent and it makes the match more interesting. I, for one, am pumped up to have John Cena back in WWE and in this Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series match. And curious, by the way, and this is the interesting storyline wrinkle. We saw Cena last on Raw, jobbing to Roman Reigns, right? At uh, No Mercy, whatever the hell pay-per-view that was, where they screwed up the uh, the Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar thing, too. It was No Mercy. So Cena has no real brand loyalty. Cena is also not the type of guy in the storyline to participate in an under-siege type deal. That's never been his character. So is Cena going to be cool with Shane McMahon and the methods employed by SmackDown? Is Cena going to have reservations about it what's gonna happen in this match storyline wrinkles intrigue hey wwe you got it right i well, can't wait for it they okay they they largely got they, they almost got it fully right but you brought up a key point there john cena's a free agent he was on raw and also hey bonus dm slide time from adam x parsons he says it's fine that smackdown added john cena but hasn't shane preached wrestlers quote-unquote, earning spots on the team kind of ruins that storyline. So while we don't want to just, you know, piss all over everything we just did to get really excited, and do I want John Cena on this match then not have him? Of course. But they got a little explaining to do about the well, story. Well, let's see. Well, they, they still have a chance to do it, though. But there's one SmackDown left, and I completely agree with Adam. Obviously, great name, dude. Um, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, I know you want to have the star power of John Cena there, but this was built as an under siege invasion. They, the entire story they're telling is that Survivor Series actually matters because there's a Raw SmackDown now rivalry that Shane McMahon created. And John Cena does not factor into that one iota. There is no good reason for him to be in this match unless, and I'm assuming this is what's going to happen, it's the beginning of like a storyline. KO and Sammy are pissed. They attack Cena, take him out of the match. Now you have a KO Cena rivalry. Something like that goes down. Like maybe that's what happens. But even so, even so, it's not good booking. There's no continuity there with John Cena, and it just well, may, it, may it, I, may, may it doesn't I work. And I almost interrupted Brian, and I'll let you. I'll come back. To no, I'm done. I'm done. Here, but I feel like I feel like this needs to be said. Like, and you even kind of you actually kind of said it, Silver King. Like, you think that they could end up explaining it? Like, they're going to explain this. Sure. Like, there's no question about it. Like, this is going to get explained. Cena's probably going to open up SmackDown next week in the ring with Shane McMahon, and there is going to be some explanation given. And I think that we all could be singing, and when I say we, I mean you two, could be singing a different tune come next week's in this corner where we're like, oh my God, they're actually doing something with this. And I actually, Brian, I kind of like what Silver King said about the KO Sami Zayn involvement because that would fit in with those two characters and how they've been acting the last month. You need a hook to get him into it. I just do question if they erred a little bit by jumping the gun on this announcement. Would this have been a better reveal on Tuesday night? Maybe just say, John Cena is coming. If you want to announce it for viewership, say, hey, John Cena is coming back to SmackDown, the free agent. He's going to address where he stands on this under siege. And then what happens? Because now we're talking about it. Now we're talking about it, though, with six days to spare. Right. Well, then you let him get suckered into one side or the other, because if he comes there as a free agent, a neutral, a Switzerland, like you're saying, Nick, and then somebody attacks him or, or something, you know, the shield does a run in and they bump into Cena. And he's like, well, I don't want to be part of this. But then Cena gets pulled into it. Then you got some juice. You got a storyline. 
they gave us too much. They announced it too early. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, and I'm I mean, not. See, I, I disagree. And Silver King, you go on one second here. I think that this is going to work out in a way that we are going to say next week they got it right. Yeah, like I'm not. That's com- my prediction. I'm not complaining about a great week of booking. This was a great week of booking. I think we all universally agree on that. But they didn't need to do this this week. Like we were already amped up and talking tons of WWE this week. They could have continued that momentum next week with John Cena. That that's kind of where I stand on it. Well, but the momentum is going to be when we find out what happens. So we're going to talk about it next week. So I, I, I could not disagree more okay. with both of you guys on that point. I don't think it makes a difference. Well, you put you're putting your money down and hoping it pays off, though. You know, I'm just I'm just saying they still could have they could have won both halves. But look, very small complaint. Yes. When we just talked about two important stories that have us full mast, and now we're going to transition transition into something, Nick. That. I mean, when was the last time you were speechless? When something happened in wrestling, an announcement, something happened that your draw literally dropped, and you're like, how do I, how did this happen? How do I make sense of it? What's it going to be like? I don't know, but I'm just like shaking with excitement. Come on. Um, yes, was that where you were you trying to segue me into into the last part of our triple main event? Or <laughs> yeah, it was like the time you know it was like it was like the big man you know turning back and throwing the lob to the point card. You know, it was like like on you know remember you know remember on Shaq when his birthday that year against the Clippers he dropped sixty one, but at the end of the game he threw that lob to Kobe to hammer it. Of down. course, you know? of course, or like in the game seven of the uh, two thousand Western Conference Finals against the Blazers with that with that dunk to complete the the fourth quarter comeback. But I, I just want to add this, and then we'll move on to the third part. Um, it's football season, and I've said a couple times over the course of this that generally um, football season is my wrestling fan off season, where I don't pay as much attention because I'm locked in, especially because of my job to football season. This is the first time that I can legitimately say in quite some time that come Sunday night in a couple weeks, I will be infinitely more fired up to watch the WWE pay-per-view than I will be to watch Sunday night football. I am fully invested in Survivor Series. Kudos to WWE for pulling this one out of the fire. And now to the third part of our triple main events. Brian, I almost just want to let you, you set this. I normally do it. I would like you, just because I know how excited you are, and I'm excited too, but I want you, sir, to set the stage for what we saw this weekend in Japan. Sunday night, NJPW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Power Struggle Pay-Per-View, which, by the way, if, you're, if you've been on board with us on this NJPW journey, and yes, the last couple months we haven't been as dialed in. They haven't given us a reason to. Pretty pretty good, strong card here if you want to go back and watch those last couple of matches. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, some really good stuff. Tanahashi against Ibuchi, Kenny Omega against Beretta, but that's another topic. After Kenny Omega's victory over Beretta, he says, look, you know what time of the night it is. When somebody else comes out and gets the challenge and that they want a piece of this IWGP US title. I didn't watch this card live, knew it was going on. But look, Sunday night, it starts at 2.40, you know, a.m. basically, right? Or, or I, I didn't tune in live for this. The video screen comes on. The 5-4-3-2-1 comes on. Does that ring a bell to anybody? And it's Chris Jericho with a strong, strong promo in this vignette where he holds up a picture of Kenny Omega. He rips it in half and says, names all these great wrestlers and says, you know, Michaels. Yeah, everyone across Flair, across the board. But they're all gone. I'm still here. I'm the alpha. I'm the greatest of all time. And he challenges Kenny Omega January 4th, Wrestle Kingdom, their version of WrestleMania. Holy crap, guys. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, this is like, like, ah, 
I don't even think that's strong enough, Brian. That alarm <laughs> that you just played. You know, in Game of Thrones, at the wall where they it's it, it's one one ring of the uh, of the alarm to signal just regular humans. Two rings for wildlings. Three for the others. This would be four for Jericho versus oh, Kenny yeah. Omega. Four rings of the alarm. That's how big this is. Knock three times on the ceiling if you want me, or twice on the pipe. This was twice on my pipe, Nick. All right. And, and the answer the answer was yes, not no, because what I'm saying here is this is incredible news for like 58 different reasons. Not just because it's going to be awesome. Not just because, imagine if you're watching this pay-per-view live and that happens. Now look, real quick, they have had a war of words over Twitter. And if you're in the know, you know that it was a work. These guys are both from Winnipeg. These guys respect the hell out of each other. Some podcast together, etc. A lot of people thought the best case scenario here was that maybe they would have a match on Jericho's cruise that he's putting together at the end of 2018. I don't want to go on that cruise, by the way. I think that in this corner should maybe go on the cruise. I wasn't even thinking of that. Okay. I thought maybe that's the end game. Maybe not. Maybe this is just they're having fun. They're friends. Whatever. They want to bring attention to each other. I never thought, guys, that it was remotely possible that this had been in the works since August, which it has, we're finding out, and that this was the plan and that we could see this. Now, how are we seeing this? It's obviously because Jericho was on his contract expired with WWE, but more on a part-time handshake sort of agreement with them renewing it when he has wanted to. But this is a power play, Nick, by Chris Jericho, a major power play. And outside of how awesome this has the potential to be, this brings hope, Nick. Hope for the idea that a real wrestling revolution is happening right now. That not the Monday Night Wars, not somebody coming in and challenging WWE financially or challenging their ratings. But we have known, why did we watch the G1 and go nuts and spend all those hours and talk about it on this show? Because we have found something that is as good or in a lot of categories better than the best pro wrestling out there in the world. And we were like, this is so good, we're going to find the grainy internet stream to get there. But that sort of revolution when your only access is that grainy internet stream where if you have access TV, which is really just a recap of matches, it's not like a storyline show that goes, that revolution can only go so far, Nick. This is a major step forward to the idea that maybe not financially, but critically, we are in the midst of a revolution to get this product that we love to be the best that can be. And what that means is WWE has all the resources in the tool shed to be amazing every single week and they don't do it. Are they stubborn? Do they just not get it? Whatever. But they don't do it. When do they do it, Nick? When they are pushed, when there's real competition. And again, whether this ends up being financial competition or not, there's probably a good chance it doesn't. At the very least, critically, to gain the attention of wrestling fans, you need an announcement like this. You need a Chris Jericho who's so well-known and can still go at age 46 and said it himself on his podcast this week that he's coming off the best run of his career. You need a moment like this to give you hope, Nick. That someone is out there to try to push WWE to be better. Not to take them out of business, for if you're a fan of both, but to make them be better. And this is the type of match, the type of card, the type of news that can do that. If you're not cheering for this to be a success and for NJPW to be a success and you're a WWE fan, you're crazy. Because competition in 2017 is the only way that our field spots are going to be activating every single week. And there's so much talent on that roster, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Uh, that was a great promo, and I agree with everything that you said. Great stuff from the man whose name is on the marquee. And I got to be honest, like, I just spent a half hour marking out over what we saw from WWE this week. Part of me is actually kind of pissed that WWE had such a good week because I would have loved if it had sucked kind of so we could have just gotten even crazier about this Jericho Omega. Like, 
it's insane that it's the third part of our triple main event, but we have to serve the audience, mainly WWE fans, and lead with all that stuff. But this is this is massive. And if you'll allow me to continue marking out here, um, Chris Jericho is probably all time my second favorite wrestler ever behind Shawn Michaels. I, I still have the Monday Night Jericho shirt. Jericho's WCW run, in my opinion, is, is the greatest run of his career, better than his run against Michaels, better than the Kevin Owens stuff. Jericho has been my favorite for a long time. Kenny Omega is currently my favorite wrestler. So this is my old favorite wrestler against my new favorite wrestler. So this is just absolutely freaking awesome. And here's the intersection, and here's why it's so important. New Japan is starting to gain a foothold. Whether it's expansive or not is up for debate. But they're, they're, they're selling out shows in Long Beach. You see the Bullet Club shirts at all the WWE events. They're selling out the Bullet Club, the Kenny Omega, the Young Buck shirt. They're selling out at Hot Topic. It is starting to happen. There is a groundswell. Now, they could have gone out there and they could have rolled the ball out and done Omega versus Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom. And the three of us would have marked out. And part of our listenership would have marked out. But that's all it would have been, because ultimately it's still Omega against workers and performers that the American audience is not familiar with. Now you have one of the biggest stars in wrestling history who is recognizable around the world in Chris Jericho against the guy. Yes, and, 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 and he can still go against the guy who is widely considered to be, and quite frankly, if you disagree, you're wrong, the best wrestler and all-around performer in the world right now in Kenny Omega. This is going to cross over, and it's not just going to be the New Japan fans and the wrestling diehards. There are going to be casual WWE fans that are going to tune in, and they are going to be blown away by what they see at the beginning of January at the Tokyo Dome, and this is going to be freaking unbelievably awesome. Alpha and Omega. I can't wait for it. I love it. Uh, everything you just said. And by the way, this Wrestle Kingdom card is starting to look Sick. You have Okada versus Naito, right? Because Naito won the G1 this year. Okada, the IWGP heavyweight champion. You have Omega versus Jericho. You have Tanahashi, who's fighting a returning switchblade, Jay White, who came back on Sunday night. And you also have, for the Ring of Honor World Championship, Nick, Cody, don't call him Cody Rhodes, against... This is strong style. This is Kota Ibushi. Cody Ibushi added to that card. I mean, this card is going to be sick. But obviously the news here is Jericho and Omega. But just to kind of double back, Nick, I mean, the, the, the real news is not just WWE fans are now going to really go out of their way to see this. It, the real news isn't just that the guy who's doing six-star matches is going against a guy who can still bring it. It's the, the potential for overall of what this could do, Nick. Because for New Japan Pro Wrestling, whether they team up with Ring of Honor or not, to gain that foothold that I'm talking about in the U.S. They need, obviously, a match like this. If this match wasn't announced, they wouldn't be making that kind of momentum. And they announced this just as they announced they are coming back to California in March for another big, their second show in the U.S. But you're going to need more, right? You're going to need a real TV deal. You're going to need a weekly show on U.S. television that keeps the storylines moving. You're going to maybe need getting Daniel Bryan when his WWE deal is up next September, or maybe bringing in CM Punk if he ever wants to come back. I know oh those my God, please, things. please, please, but please, 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 please. You're going to need to get there in the long run, but you can't get there in the long run, Nick, without this happening. This is massive. We cannot look past that. I, I could not agree more. And just the thought of what you just said coming to fruition, like, I, I mean... 
I got the chills thinking about it. Like CM Punk or Daniel Bryan in New Japan. Like Devil, just be. I mean, yeah. I mean, you want to look. You want to create a home for other wrestlers to go and not just the WCW 1995 home or the TNA 2008 home where aging wrestlers who still have a name. That's the old wrestling revolution. The new wrestling revolution is about work and matches that are basically shoots and incredible wrestling that if lapsed fans, Nick, that no longer watch WWE had a chance to watch this. If you're like, I know you may have heard me mention Kenny Omega once or twice. He look, he's going to fight Jericho. You got to watch this. They cannot watch that and not be hooked, Nick. Like, they cannot do it because it's guys in their prime taking the art form and bringing it to another level, Nick. Which brings us to a conversation that you and I had over text where I'm like, Nick, I'm watching uh, Kenny versus Beretta right now from Sunday night. And man, it's a badass match and he's so badass. I'm like, look at the way he moves. He's in that category with Flair, Steamboat, HBK, AJ Styles. And maybe he's better than one or two or three of them if we're really being honest. Nick, you proposed something over text that I said you're damned right do you want to do you want to say what that text was um Kenny Omega is the greatest professional wrestler of all time so that to some people like will get an eye roll and is preposterous it's also not wrong Nick it's very rare that in somebody's arc you can make the case for them already being the best of all time. When LeBron was like 29, 30, he didn't, you know, or 28 years old, he didn't have the titles yet or the amount of MVPs, but you're like, you know what? He actually might be the best player we've ever seen right now. People would argue against that because of stats, but at the same time, you're like, you know, it might be true. Nick, I'm not convinced that this is not true. When you watch this guy perform, he's the best potentially of all time right now. Look, not on what he's accomplished yet, but what he's doing in there. And the reason why that's important is I talked about the ideas of revolutions. When has WWE ever had a true revolution with competition? I say twice, Nick. Once when they tried to go national and launch WrestleMania from 84 through about 88, 89. Who did they have? They had Hulk Hogan. Could you say to yourself, that doesn't happen to that success without Hogan? Yes, you can say. The other time, Monday Night Wars, Attitude Era. Who did they have? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Could you say to yourself, if Stone Cold wasn't who he was at that time, that that Attitude Era wouldn't have had that same impact? Of course you can say that. Omega's in that class, and that's why he has the potential right now, Nick, to make this a real revolution. Not to take them out of business, but to say, we're doing something that's better than WWE. Come on over and see it. Um, so I'll, 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 so as it concerns the Omega part, being maybe the best ever, you know, you may be listening to this and, and giving us an exaggerated eye roll. How could you say that? We just had the Ric Flair 30 for 30. You know, there's Shawn Michaels. I love Shawn Michaels. I love Ric Flair. But you watch what Kenny Omega is doing, and it's unlike what anyone has ever done before. Because not only does he have the endurance of Ric Flair, where he can go out there and put on an hour-long performance. Not only does he have the athleticism of Shawn Michaels, but he combines both into this outrageously, freakishly athletic package. And he's also much stronger than his frame and his size would indicate. And the matches that this guy puts on are absolutely through the roof. So if you're listening and you haven't seen a Kenny Omega match and you've heard us talk about him, hopefully this, the match against Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom, is going to spur you to check it out. And I promise you that you are going to absolutely love what you've seen, what you're going to see. And I think this could be the start of that revolution, Bri, that you've been talking about. And I kind of dumped on it last week. And now I think that you might be right a little bit. Now I will offer this caveat. You remember I said last week, two weeks ago, I could see a scenario where all of this leads to Kenny Omega coming to WWE. 
And I'm still not going to rule that out as being a possibility. That Omega, once his contract's up with New Japan, comes to WWE, and maybe the revolution that you're talking about dies to an extent, but then we have Omega in WWE, and that would be awesome in itself. That's my caveat. Because I'm putting Omega on that level of how important Hogan and Austin were to their revolutions, if there's no Omega, if he goes to WWE, the revolution's over. It's not a thing. He is literally that important to this. To where he's the Austin, he's the Hogan in your eyes. Uh, he'll of bring the eyes to Okada. He'll un- allow guys like Neville, if he makes the leap, to come over. And guys on that level, right? Guys you know from WWE that are still in their prime to say, no, I want to be over there with what's going on, right? That's the only way. Now, Silver King, you and I have had plenty of off-the-field arguments over this topic. I am as passionate and as positive and as hopeful in this as possible. If you are like anybody else listening, going, dude, slow your damn roll. Where am I? What am I missing? What am I missing out of on the, on this argument? I mean, there's a lot that you guys are saying. Like, uh, you're bringing me into this now after all the Mark Milk has been spilled. So I'm not going to then go and spill my Mark Milk because it's just going to be repetitive here. So It's going to be sour, too. So, it's going to so, be sour milk. So let me say that most of what BC and Handsome Nick said, I agree with in terms of Omega Jericho, how great it's going to be, et cetera. I'm not going to repeat all that. But guys, like, you're, you're out of control. You're, you're both out of control here. Okay. I want to clarify one thing before I continue with my point. Are you saying Kenny Omega either is or is close to being the best wrestler of all time based on in-ring work and ability or no, overall? Package. I think on the mic, he, he's got it. I think on the mic, he's he's almost as good as he is in the ring. I'm not saying mm, he's... That I dis- you guys, I disagree with that. You, are you, you kidding me on the mic? Oh, I mean, that's an, okay, that's an argument for another day. No, oh, he's great on the mic, but he's other, he's transcendent in the ring. Right, he's and he's, I think he's incredible on the mic. The point here, Adam, is I'm saying, obviously not in accomplishments, but right now what he's doing, it's in that class you can make that argument. In terms of in, in-ring ability and, and technician-wise and all that, you have an argument that can be made. But when you include the total package of what it takes, and I use the word superstar just because that's the terminology that we're used to from WWE, but when you take into the entire package of what it takes for someone to be at the level of Stone Cold Steve Austin, the level of Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, these guys, Shawn Michaels, Kenny Omega is great. He is nowhere near those guys yet in terms of the total package. And if you want to talk about someone being, and if you want to talk about someone being the greatest of all time in a business that is not sports, it's sports entertainment, you need to have that entire package. And I'm not saying he doesn't have a great overall package. And we're talking about a lot of packages here, which is not, <laughs> not, not really my frame here. But but to go to that length and say he's possibly the greatest of all time in 2017 with all these guys not just having occurred but still alive, you're out of your effing minds, period. I don't want to be late to the party. I don't want to be that guy that waits until he accomplishes it all to realize how great he is. I know how great he is right now, and I'm saying – Brian Campbell, not, call your shot. Call your shot, Brian. Do it. I'm saying right now – you I, you can't convince me against the idea that he might be the greatest of might all time. Might be, but you're right talking now. about today, though. He might be, sure. He might be the greatest of all time. I'm not saying he might become it. I'm saying that what I see in the ring right now might be the greatest representation of this art form that we've ever seen. Not the greatest guy to bring in the tickets, not the guy who's won the most championships, but what he's doing right now, the little things he does between moves, the way he sells, the way on the mic, how cool he is. And granted, he can drop F-words and can write his own stuff, so it's different than WWE. I get that. But that's part of it, by the way. That's really what makes the revolution so good, the fact that there's this other thing that's outside of the scripted framework. I'm just saying, right now what I see, I'm that guy who watched LeBron at 28 and said, 
he actually might be better than all those guys. I didn't make that declaration, but I'm making it about Kenny Omega. And, that, and that's the second thing I wanted to take issue with, and I'll make this quick as well. You talk about revolution, and maybe there is one upcoming. Maybe there will be a revolution in professional wrestling with Japan and and, and you know in, amazing in-ring ability and U.S. fans catching on. That might happen. But you know what Nick said when he talked about the influence in America and what we see in arenas? We don't see... NJPW shirts, guys. We don't hear NJPW chants. We don't see Los Ingobernables. I can't even say how Los Ingobernables shirts. Los, we don't see Los, Los Ingobernables. I said it. I got it the third time. We don't see Naito shirts. We don't see Okada shirts. We see, we see Bullet Club. We see they're, they're the Bullet. Leaders. They're the cookers of the meth here. We see Bullet Club shirts. So you're not going to convince me today that NJPW is over or on its way to being over in the United States of America. Because some hardcore wrestling fans and people that really like good wrestling are willing to shell out 999 yen, okay, and do the conversion so they can sign on to a uh, website that is, it has English, but it's not an English website. They don't have apps on Roku or Apple TV. They are nowhere close to a revolution whatsoever. The Bullet Club is getting a foothold in the industry, making a name for themselves and becoming extremely popular. But you cannot tell me that NGPW is on the precipice of a revolution when I can't even watch it on my Apple TV. It's got the Silver let's, King. Let's, let's, hold on, wait, wait, let's try this Silver King. In the middle of January, do you think you'll be singing a different tune with Wrestle Kingdom in the books? Oh, I'm going to watch it live. I mean, I'm, I'm no, gonna... no, no. What I'm saying is, do you think that the American wrestling fan that you referenced who is really into the Bullet Club, but maybe not be into New Japan Pro Wrestling once Wrestle Kingdom occurs? So we're in the middle of January 2018. Do you think you will be singing a different tune at that point? I don't think I will be. I think there's going to be a lot more fans regular wrestling fans, WWE fans, that maybe never even watched, and this is the point you made, Nick, I think there's going to be a ton more people tuning into New Japan and seeing what that product has to offer, but that doesn't mean it's going to be attractive to the regular wrestling fan who likes their entertainment, likes their gimmicks, the kids and, and fathers and all these people. We're talking about the hardcore wrestling dude, and they are going to hear Jericho Omega, oh my God, I have to watch that, everyone's telling me I have to watch it, and maybe they'll order it, or maybe they'll find it, on a website and just illegally stream it like I did the Okada Omega matches before we had, you know, our subscription to NJPW. So I don't, I don't know, man. See, I, 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 I kind of disagree with that because the matches are going to be so good that how can you how can you not help but sort of be entranced by what you see? Like, like yeah. we all fell we all fell victim to it. Like we watched the G1. We watched the Omega Okada matches and we were spellbound. We were entranced by it. Like, it, we were enchanted by it. it. It captured my wrestling imagination in a way that WWE hadn't in quite some time. And that's not crapping on WWE. That's waxing poetic about the greatness of what we saw with New Japan. And I got to be honest, like, I feel like the three of us are pretty accurate representations of the wrestling fan, the average wrestling fan. And we all come from different backgrounds. We see it through a different prism. And all three of us had exactly the same reaction. We were really, really into it. I just think that it's impossible for like, if you love professional wrestling, like if you love the art form and the medium, the way that we do, how can you watch Wrestle Kingdom and walk out of that thinking, eh, you know, this was cool. Just a one-time thing. I'm not going to tune in <laughs> That's anymore. true. Like it's, yeah, it's actually, it's actually not possible. It's a taste and see. It's about getting it in front of people. So obviously I'm not saying that just if this show on January 4th is the best show we've ever seen, it's the revolution is still not fulfilled, right? It's like it's going to take steps. It may need literally a Daniel Bryan, a CM Punk, or both. But this news, at the very least, is the kind of step forward, Nick, that we hadn't had since the G1, to be honest with you. And it's the next step that we needed 
for this revolution to be real. And by the way, the revolution isn't just new NJPW in my mind. It's potentially Ring of Honor. It's whatever indie, if they join together or whoever becomes the lead, can really say, like, it can really just get all their ducks in a row, get it in front of American fans consistently. That's the end goal. There's there's so much more that we can do here. We can't because we don't want the podcast to be two hours long, but there's Jericho here. What's so fascinating is that Jericho, I feel like, sort of sees himself as this larger-than-life figure in professional wrestling where where he's got he's got the cruise now, and now he's in New Japan, and he's got the rock band with Fozzie. And by the way, their music's pretty free. Every time I hear a Fozzie song, I like it. I can't believe it's Chris Jericho, who's the lead singer. It's hysterical to me. I'm going to step in on that. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like it's okay, fine. alternative. Right? Like, it's yeah, fine. Hard I kind of like, listen, I kind of like it. I listen to it at the gym. I kind of like it. So, But th- that's fascinating to me is Jericho, this lifelong wwe or who has said he'd never go anywhere else. Now, Jericho's in New Japan. How does Vince McMahon feel about this? What, like, what's, the, what's the blowback potentially going to be? There's so much for us to get into here, and we will We'll do it over the course of the next couple months leading into Wrestle Kingdom, but we're already at almost an hour, so so we got to move on. But I will ask this one final question here to both of you guys. If I gave you guys the opportunity right now, red pill, blue pill, red pill, Kenny Omega comes to WWE in the first half of 2018, or blue pill, Kenny Omega continues the revolution outside of WWE for another year, two years, three years, however long it is, which do you choose, Omega and WWE or the revolution to continue outside of WWE. It's like, um, for me, it's almost, it's almost a, like, obviously he could take the money, but for me, it's almost a hundred, 95% the blue pill because listen to every real interview with him and then listen to every promo that he cuts and listen to the one he cut at the post-match press conference on Sunday night where he said, NJPW wants to expand into America. They tried to do it with Okada. How was it? How successful were they? No, they can only do it with me. I think he really believes this, the stuff he's saying. I think he believes he's that level of an artist who is changing the game. And I think he knows when you go to WWE, like he may go there, he may go there when he's 40, right, to cash in and to have his WrestleMania moment. That's fine. But I think he knows they dull your paintbrush there. I'm just sorry they do. I think this guy is saying, I'm painting things you never imagined could be painted. I'm only going to be somewhere where I'm responsible for the company getting there and I'm calling my own shots. Maybe I'm drinking KO's juice a little too much there, Kenny Omega KO, but I'm just saying, I really believe he believes in that. And I think he's getting paid handsomely enough where he can still do that. Like Silver King, th- that's red a, pill or blue pill? That's a nice story to tell, but here's the truth. So it's the red pill. He's already had three five-star matches with the best Japanese wrestler in the world. Some people think maybe ever in Okada. He's kind of running out of opponents in NJPW. Like, I mean, yeah, there's a Ibushi and there's some other guys he can fight, but what really is there left for him to accomplish in Japan? Whereas you bring him to WWE, and you know who's there, guys? AJ Styles and Finn Balor and Samoa Joe and John Cena and Seth Rollins and to some extent Dean Ambrose and Brock Lesnar. Like, are you really going to tell me that if Kenny Omega wants to put on a ton more of five-star matches, he would prefer to do that with Taganashi over yes. Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles? And, for, and, and first off, let, let's not disrespect the great Taganashi. No, I'm not. Like, no, I don't mean like, to. butchering his name, Silver King. Uh, sorry. And, uh, yes, and, and, and Brian playing the air guitar and, and, and for, for the ace, Tanahashi. Um, Tanahashi. Re- oh, look, look, here's the deal. The wrestlers in WWE are not as good as the wrestlers in Japan, by and large. True or false? What? Okay, if we if we always use Meltzer as the standard here, what is when he was asked of the 15 best wrestlers in the world, how many are WWE? Now, obviously, he drinks the NJPW juice, like pouring it over the back of his head. 
he says two to three maybe from WWE. So that whether wherever you wherever side of the line you sit we on, we don't need to use Dave Meltzer as the standard. Watch the shows and and, and trust what your no, eyeballs but, tell you. But that's that's them wrestling the type of matches that Vince is wanting them to wrestle. You can't tell me that. Seth Rollins and Kenny Omega would not could not put on a five star six star okay, match. Okay, but, but but Silver King, here's the problem with that. Like you're not wrong. Like part of what you're saying is right, right? Like Kenny Omega could go and put on a five star match with Seth Rollins, but Vince is the one that's booking it. So like, is that gonna? So if you're Kenny Omega and your goal is to put on these insane matches week after week, month after month, your best bet is to stay in New Japan. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I would love to see Kenny Omega in WWE. I'm taking the red pill if I get the choice because I want to see Omega in the United States and I want to see him on TV every Monday night on Raw. But but you can't make the case that if Omega wants to put on the great matches, he should stay in New Japan because, like Brian said, like that paintbrush gets dulled a little bit, right, wrong, or indifferent by WWE. That's just what happens. You get homogenized by the machine to a degree. And and look, even with that said, I'm still taking the red pill. I'm still taking Kenny Omega. But if the argument is that Omega wants to put on the great matches, he should stay in Japan. That's not, that wasn't my argument. My argument was just look at how many opponents he has in WWE of matches that you really want to see. It's, it would take him currently as WWE's roster is currently set up. It would take him years to get through it. With the with the feuds that he could have, the the prolongated feuds and all that stuff in New Japan, like he is kind of running out of opponents. Like there's, but he only really point, has a year left there. You make see, a, see, I, see, I, 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 I I disagree with that, Brian. Well, I say if Adam's point is true, then my point has to be true that this is a revolution, and if this is a revolution, then more guys like Neville are going to say, "Hey, my deal is up. I'm going to go over there because I want to be a part of what Kenny's doing, and I want to wrestle Kenny." So that's going to have to happen if it's just the way the roster stands right now. A year and a half, yeah, he'll probably be in WWE. Well, because, because, and I'm just going to say, look, at some point, if Omega stays in New Japan, they are going to do Omega versus Okada 4. And that's going to be incredible if and when it happens. And part of me hopes it does. Part of me kind of hopes it doesn't because I want Omega in WWE. You can do Omega and Naito in a big program. And they have... You could do Omega and Cody. You could do Omega and Kota Ibushi. There's a lot that you can do with Kenny Omega. And look, and here's here's what's great about this. It is very subjective. It doesn't make me wrong or Silver King right or Brian wrong or Brian right or vice versa. This is what's great about what we've got this week in pro wrestling. We just did an hour on the main event portion of this show because there was so much to talk about and it's got all of our collective juices flowing the milk of Marnie Marknesia like Kurt Angle spraying it with us out of the milk truck what a great week in pro wrestling can't wait for Survivor Series can't wait for Wrestle Kingdom guys this is what it's all about and I guess we're kind of have to speed through the rest of the show at this point since we're already an hour in so Bri let's get the ball rolling here with Hero or Zero drop that Zero and get with the Hero so we're going to do a little different formatting here. It's not going to be like debate style, me versus Brian. We're just going to make our point. Silver King will chime in and clean up if we've made any errors, which I'm sure that we will. Silver King, take it away. All right, guys, let's get started on Monday night. You had Samoa, Joe, and Finn Balor getting into it again, reigniting their super hot fire NXT feud to the point they had to be separated in a match that ended up being a no contest. Raw GM Kurt Angle comes out. He reacts. He names both of them to his Survivor Series team because he loves the passion they both displayed. So it's a hero or zero. We'll start with BC on these two feuding again and the potential that this pairing brings to the Survivor Series pay-per-view. One of those bittersweet zeros, guys. And Nick, I definitely want to hear if I'm going overboard on this, but like Joe and Balor together, obvious hero, right? But the the sort of psychology to get here 
they literally acted Monday night like the Kane thing never happened. It like, just makes no sense, 100%. It's a zero for that regard, no like, doubt. We didn't watch two weeks in a row Balor get buried, so that's my one problem. Nick, my only other problem is this. Joe and Balor fought at the kind of like hatred level that was like, we have history together, we're going to kill each other. They didn't even really talk about their NXT history on the air, and yet they're like trying to kill each other. And now they're on the same that, team. That it's wasn't like, scheduled, yeah. and, and Balor just walks out, and then they book it. And then now they're booked on the same team. Little screwy. I'm going to say zero on the execution. It's really incredible because you put Finn Balor and Samoa Joe in a program and it's, and how could it be a zero? The answer when you have zero storyline development whatsoever, like had it. And it's great because we just spent an hour praising WWE for what they've done this week. This was a massive miss. How do you miss with Samoa Joe and Finn Balor answer? Watch Monday Night Raw from this past week. It's a zero. BC, don't you think it's just a good thing they moved on from Kane, though? Like, they moved on from Bray Wyatt and Sister Abigail. They're like, that never happened, guys. Like, we're never going to mention it again. It's over. So isn't it kind of just good that they said, hey, you know, forget Kane. Forget Kane. In theory, yes, but just think about it. In three weeks, Finn moved on from Bray without an ending. Right. Then had AJ Styles once and moved on without an ending. Then had Kane, and we're supposed to forget it never happened, and now we're supposed to care about Samoa Joe. So that's the psychology problem in the end. It's basically, it's from the Donald Trump school of politics, like distract, <laughs> distract, distract, distract <laughs> from like you realize what's actually going on underneath your nose here. Think, and that is not a political statement. Like, I'm just saying like, that's kind of what, what happens, right? You distract from what's actually happening, and that's what WWE has done. We just spent an hour talking about how good it is, and eh, conveniently left out the part where they screwed up the Samoa Joe Finn Balor thing. So good job there. Yeah, I don't know that we're getting more positive here on number two. Weeks removed from Kane trying to murder Braun Strowman. The two finally faced off on Raw as Kane sought out Strowman by causing a disqualification and approaching him in the ring. So, Nick, here are zero on how this was handled Monday night. I mean, uh, it's a zero because who cares about Kane? Like, let's just get through this storyline and let's see what happens with Braun Strowman. Like, there's only one way that the Survivor Series match should end, and it's with Braun Strowman as the sole survivor. If that doesn't happen, then I might just give the match a zero unless that's like a four or five star caliber match here. But of course, Kane's involved. So it stinks because no one cares. I don't care. And if you care, quite frankly, you are wrong. It is a zero, obviously. Yeah, the only thing to say about that was just the weird psychology. Kane's attacking Braun Strowman. Didn't Kane already throw him in the garbage can yet? garbage truck, yet it was Braun who then attacked The Miz and not Kane. Like, the psychology to me is all over the place, yet this was the most predictable run-in possible. It's like you're waiting for that music that it's like... That's gotta be! That's gotta be! Yeah, that is. It is Kane, Vince. I'll cut you off. It is Kane. And guess what? We still don't care. It's a zero. And also, like, it was also, like, I actually laughed out loud, not because it was funny, but because it was ridiculous, that while they're doing the stare down in the ring, Braun doesn't have a microphone, but you can read his lips and you can kind of hear him say, you threw me in the back of a garbage truck. <laughs> like, this is what it's come to. I'm 34 years old. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys nailed that one. So, Sean Combs, Puff Daddy, Puffy, P. Diddy, Diddy, announced that he's changing his name to Brother Love. Bruce Pritchard, the real Brother Love, launched a Twitter campaign to call him out. Diddy backed down, claimed he was joking, Blame the media, you know, fake media, fake news. Uh, said we can still call him love, but that he was only playing. So, BC, here are zero on Puff Daddy, a supposed WWE fan attempting to swipe the brother love gimmick without expecting any backlash. Take that, take that. 
I don't care that Diddy's like 5,000 times more famous than Bruce Pritchard, right? Diddy's supposed to be a wrestling fan. He was the curator of the 2K17 soundtrack. I got to interview him for ESPN at the time, and he's telling me all what he loves about WWE. Like, are you kidding me, Puff Daddy? I actually love that there was this hard of a campaign against him and that it got Bruce Pritchard like ridiculously fired up. Only he didn't say he loved you. He basically said, hey, Puff Puff did. He stopped stealing my only gimmick, like my claim to fame in life. Like, come on, Nick. Are you kidding me with this? I just like the fact that it's 2006. This is the kind of thing that you could have maybe gotten away with 30 years ago before the Internet, before Twitter, before social media. Like, Puff Daddy's like, huh. You know what I'd like to be called today? Hulk Hogan. Like, everyone (laughs) start calling me Hulk Hogan. Or Like, I come into work and I'm like, guys, you know what? I don't want to go by Nick Costos anymore. Call me CM Costos instead. Like, that's what I want to be known as. Like, are you kidding me, Puff Daddy? Like, like really? Like, a blatant ripoff like this? I, it's just so stupid. Like, it's, I, I got that. It's a zero. Obviously, it's a zero. And Puff Daddy, you don't want to come at the WWE fans. You don't want to come at us, Puff oh, Daddy, us lifers. I mean, absolutely disgusting, Nick. I don't want to hear that again. All right. The much ballyhooed Nature Boy 30 for 30 doc on Ric Flair's life and career aired for the public Tuesday night. Of course, we hear, you know, at ITC, we got to screen it in advance, suckers. Anyway, we know that this was a hero overall, but I'm really curious to hear if you guys were disappointed in any way by this doc. So, BC, former ESPN employee, hero or zero? It's, it's so bittersweet because, like, this was a movie aimed at casual fans. And to casual fans, this was like an absolute home run of two hours of entertainment. And they focused on Ric Flair, the persona, versus Richard Flair, the man. And they really nailed the sadness, the heartbreak of his son Reed dying of a heroin overdose and Rick kind of blaming himself. But you know what they didn't nail? All those hours of interviews with The Undertaker out of character with Shawn Michaels, with Mick Foley, which was never aired. All the, you know, Jim Ross, all these long interviews about Rick's career. If you're a hardcore wrestling fan, unfortunately, you knew all that stuff. You knew he went on a plane and opened up the robe and exposed himself like 57 times. You knew all of that. You know what you really wanted? The behind the scenes stories of the Steamboat feud and Dusty and the retirement match and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like as a wrestling fan, this it was almost a disappointment because that two hours could be like a five to six hour documentary of like straight gold minute by minute of his career of being unhappy with Jim Hurd and WCW and going to Vince and then it not really working out, even though he was fantastic. I, I hate to be that guy, Nick. I really do. But it was he, like, right. You're, you're a zero here. And here's the reason it's like you turned on an NBA game and you expected to see the NFL. No, you turned on the NBA. You're going to get the NBA. This was not a WWE Network documentary on on the career of Ric Flair. This was about the life of Richard Flair. And that's what you got. And with that being said, were you really, Brian, were you really expecting ESPN at 10 o'clock at night on a weeknight? I was. To put on a minute-by-minute, second-by-second analysis of the wrestling career of Ric Flair. No one, like, like the ESPN audience does not want to see that, the average ESPN audience. We want to see that, and it would be awesome. But that was never what you were going to get. So for you to be disappointed by that, like, what were you expecting going in? Like, well, your expectations were incorrect. 
I expected what we got. It wasn't false advertising. And so again, what are you disappointed about? What then? they produced for it for its category was gold. But come on, you can't tell me if you're a wrestling fan, you didn't, you know, see six seconds of The Undertaker when that interview alone had been hyped up for like a year and a half since they conducted it. Like you were you were expecting a certain X level. And look, they had little like two seconds of the Sting feud or two seconds of this. But you wanted those two seconds to be five minutes. That's I'm all I'm just saying is I, I, I gotta tell you, man, and I, I, I'm gonna disagree. Um, I, I love wrestling. I've loved it my entire life. If they put out a documentary, like you mentioned, that just went detailing the career of Ric Flair, of course I would watch it. Of course I would love it. I loved this documentary and it hit me in the feel spot, not just as a wrestling fan, but as a human being, because the man himself is so utterly, unbelievably captivating and interesting. And the fact that he was, has been able to do all of this throughout his career and attain the level of celebrity that he did. And you look at the cost, the unraveling of his family, the death of his son, Reed, via overdose. Yeah, they, and, they nailed and, the human drama. They nailed the human spirit. There's no question about but, that. But, but, but what, more, what more could you ask for? Let me, like, I, I legitimately, when they showed Rick in the ring with Charlotte after she won the Divas Championship and he hugs her from behind and you see the tears in his eyes. I got kind of emotional and I almost had tears streaming down my face when I watched that. I thought this was as brilliant as it could have possibly been. I could not disagree with you more. It didn't disappoint me in the slightest. In fact, it exceeded my expectations. Let me settle this because it's not. this is not a situation where one of you is right and the other is not. Nick's a thousand. No, Brian's. I'm not calling it a zero Let for me, the record. I'm just saying it could have been something different and for what I was looking for, something way better. Again, I'm going to settle this. It's very easy. Nick's a thousand percent right in terms of, and, and you said it too, BC, expectation versus reality. They, we got what we expected from how they promoted and advertised this doc and knowing that it was either 60 or 90 minutes, I forget how long, on ESPN. That, that's what they gave us and it was about the life and times of this guy, not necessarily the character. But where you're not wrong, BC, is I don't know how long this guy interviewed all of the wrestlers. I, I think it was over a year, maybe a two-year period, let's say. There is way too much that he has that we have not seen. And it would be a disservice to wrestling fans and Rich and Ric Flair fans and people who just love the industry for none of that footage to be seen. So my hope is that there is either an extended cut or a DVD, not a DVD, but you know how they do all the extras and all the extra interviews and things like that. There needs to be another version of this released because there's way too much that he 100% has that is incredible stuff from non-gimmicked Undertaker, from Sting without the makeup, all these guys that you want to hear from about their careers and about Ric Flair's career because there's no way. He didn't interview Sting for five minutes. He was at Sting's house for an hour or two hours. Same with Undertaker. Same with all these guys. So we need more. As wrestling fans, we deserve more. But they gave us what they promised us from that 30 for 30. Do both of you agree with that? 100%. It, look, it was a... Nothing, nothing to disagree with. Yeah, it was go. a massive success. It, it gripped me. All of that. Uh, I'm just saying, if you didn't leave there as a wrestling fan going, oh, man, I wanted this menu off the item, you know, this right. item off the menu and all that, then you're, you're crazy. I think that's fair. Okay, number five here. We'll finish up here with zero. The Shield added its fifth member now in Glasgow, Scotland, as Triple H joined Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose in a guest spot at a house show. Fans in attendance loved it, and WWE shared the moment, broadcasted on Twitter. So here are zero BC for not just breaking kayfabe and getting Triple H with the guy who we just finished a massive rivalry with in Seth Rollins, but doing it to this degree on a house show and WWE, not just the fans, making it public. 
yeah, I mean, you just gave all the reasons why it's an absolute zero item by item. And I, they're lucky, you know, WWE's lucky we didn't record our podcast last week, Thursday, as opposed to Wednesday. And when this came out on Thursday, I right away was texting you guys and just telling you how, like, offended I am. Like, this was offensive. And I don't want to hear anyone saying, oh, come on, guy, it's just wrestling. Or, oh, come on, guy, it's just a house show. It's not just a house show because you know what we were trained to believe just months ago when AJB KO at the garden at a house show that anything can happen at a house show that belts can change hands because it matters that Finn Balor and Samoa Joe can trade belts at an NXT house show that it matters. This was like a next level insult to me of a guy who cares about wrestling and watches so many hours per week and cares about the storylines. Nick, this was literally like if you love Star Wars, but then you go see Star Wars on ice and Palpatine and Luke Skywalker are like hugging and broing out. Triple H as a member of the Shield, like how is this even possible, Nick? Like there's just like like it's such a like a it's like it shows you that they don't care. Nick, why uh, why would we care if they don't care? Um here's where I disagree with you. Who cares? Roman Reigns got sick. The fans abroad wanted wanted a show, and WWE put on a show. Look, does it make a lot of sense in the booking? No. Is it a breaking of kayfabe? Yes. It's also 2017, and we understand that there's a job to be done. And if I'm one of those fans in Scotland or wherever the hell else around the world that this happened, I am very much okay with it. I am okay with it because of the circumstance involved. It's not like Roman Reigns was healthy. And they did this. Roman Reigns is off the card, Bry. So they had to give the fans something. So I had really, hey, really no issue with Tri- Triple H and somebody else versus Rollins and Ambrose. You want to know why? Because it's consistent with your brand. Guys, it's, it's off-brand to have Triple H in the Shield costume. It was off-brand to have Angle, but at least they were baby faces and you could understand it. It's off-brand to the, to the message that you're sending to the fans. That Triple H, the authority, who took the belt away from Rollins and put it on KO and then feuded with him forever and originally stuck the the hand in the shield to break them apart, is the guy who's just going to bro out with them on Halloween? Like, are you kidding me? Like, you can't just say, oh, it was a house show. Oh, it was Europe. Oh, there was a hole in the lineup and they needed to fill it. They could have done that 75 other ways. And I'm the guy every week who stands up for Triple H and says he's the future. Give him the book now. Vince is killing us. This was a moment where Triple H pressed play and put himself in, coach, because he's ready to play. And it was a misnomer. He went too far. This was off-brand. It's like, I'm still mad about it. And if you get me to care, WWE, to watch nine hours of television, then I should be mad at it. Let me ask you a question. You're a 15-year-old Scottish kid sitting in your first WWE show. They announced The Shield is going to come out with a special partner. Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins hit the ring, and then it's silent. And you're waiting for the music to hit. And Triple H's theme hits, and he com- starts coming to the ring. Do you care that it's off-brand, or are you thrilled that Triple H, former however many time WWE World Heavyweight Champion, is making a surprised, unannounced appearance to join with the most over team in WWE since DX at the house show that you happen to be at in your hometown of Scotland? Adam, if WWE did not acknowledge it, then you have an argument. They tweeted it out. They are the ones who tweeted out, oh, Triple H joined the Shield, smiley face. Like, they are the ones who tweeted it out. So they're saying, look what we did over here. No, what you did makes – like, you you violated yourself. Congratulations, WWE. You played yourself. And the fact that they don't care, like, mixes with the booking in the last three weeks. Look, I know we spilled milk all over ourselves and we should have this show. But let's not forget what they did to us. Hashtag never forget, okay, on this moment right here, Triple H and the Shield. It make, It's not right. It's not okay. I'm sorry, Whitney Houston. Like, it's not working here, okay? 
All right, so here's the deal. We are an hour and 15 minutes into the show. We've got a bunch of DM questions here. Nick Flynn, Nikki J, Graphics, and Gus LaFontaine. We are going to get to your questions at some point on In This Corner, probably next week, but we can't have this go out because these questions are great, and they would require a lot of time for us to get through. So we don't want to do you a disservice and speed through it, so we're going to hold on to these through next week. Gus LaFontaine, we're going to get into this here and tell you about my WrestleMania experience at WrestleMania 30 in the Superdome. We've got a lot of time to talk about that, so, so we will get into that to Nikki who asked the question about Jericho and Omega. We've got a solid two months to talk about that, so we will get to your question coming up. And to Nick Flynn, we've got some time in the storyline to get into your question about Shane, Kane, and Daniel Bryan and next year's WrestleMania. Well, so the whole question, we might as well get into it. Right? <laughs> no, 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 because it's literally going to take us 10 minutes to answer each of these questions alone, and we can't do a two-hour podcast here. So we will get to you guys here, so we have not forgotten about you. We went a little long on the other stuff because it merited it, so we will reopen the DMs coming up next week. So let's close the show with the field spots as we always do and first up the man whose name is on the marquee yeah if you're not watching nxt and you're not watching andrade cn almas's rise to the title level at the takeover card in houston survivor series weekend he'll be facing drew mcintyre for that championship but the reason why my field spot is activated for what his valet selena vega is doing for his career two weeks ago on nxt when he defeated Roddy Strong to put himself in this position. I don't know if anybody saw this, but go back and watch it. Vega hit a, a running Hurricane Rana off the apron on Roderick Strong to the floor. Like, I didn't even know she could work. Like, she's already, like, violating my field spot, Nick, for ways that we can't say on a family program. And then she hits Roddy Strong with that. And then this week, when they attacked Drew McIntyre from behind, she took the gum out of her mouth. CN Almas signed the contract, stuck it to the gum, and stuck it in Drew McIntyre's face. Like, this is badass stuff. CN Almas can't talk. She's talking for him, and she's elevating him in a way that WWE doesn't do anymore with valets because they don't use them, Nick. You know, outside of Maurice, they don't use them. This was great. This is great stuff. Get on board. BC, Vega reminds me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the name. I want you to tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong. She reminds me of Sonny. In, in, in her execution and her value? Her ability to get over on the mic, to advance storylines, and actually play the role of a valet who makes a difference in her wrestler's you know, career. Yeah. And I mean, you look at that run of matches that Almas has had where she's like pulled out the T-shirt of DIY to get him over against Gargano. Like she's doing like thoughtful stuff here. This is great. This is great. And Nick, you know, I mean, you saw her at the last NXT takeover. I mean, I'm sure she lives in South Florida. You may have a shot. So I'm saying, you know, you may have a shot. <laughs> for you, for those that you can't see, Nick is nodding confidently right there. All right. My feel spot, I'm going to split it. It's a feel spot and a heel spot this week. Um, you know, I really like when WWE is in England and they're in the United Kingdom, or even when they're not integrating the UK division, there's a lot of really talented, good wrestlers with some decent gimmicks that get over with the crowd, both overseas and not. I loved seeing Pete Dunne on Raw as a surprise. I hate it, obviously, that I'm, and I'm, I'm guessing here, I'm making an assumption, that Vince told him, hey, Petey, uh, we're glad you're our champion, but you can't bite the title. That We're not down with that. So he was completely out of character holding the title up. Anyway, loved him on the show. Loved the UK guys on 205 Live. Here's what I don't like. They announced, while in England, that Dunne is going to face Johnny Gargano at NXT TakeOver, and I flipped out until I read the fine print that it's not going to be televised as part of the show, and it's only for people in attendance. Well, WWE, I'm going to tell you something right here. It's not a lot of money each month at $9.99 for the network, 
but you are not doing enough for your network subscribers and customers. You should not be keeping matches of this quality that Nick and BC and I and your fans want to see. You should not be keeping them off the network, and I don't want to see it two weeks later on a taped NXT TakeOver when we know you're back in Orlando. And you're just st- right in the heel spot? I, I said. That's that, a business that, for himself here. That, that's what I said, and, and, and you're still showing us stuff from England. So heel spot, love the UK division. Heel spot, don't take away things that we really want to see and just not put them on TV. It's, it doesn't work. It's not smart. Well, you well, you hate that, Brian. You're going to hate what I'm about to say here because I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with the audience. My feel spot for this week, I'm not going to give you something different. My feel spot for this week was when I woke up on Sunday morning and I take a shower and it's like 745 in the morning on the East Coast because I got to work all day at CBS because it's an NFL Sunday and my Twitter has blown up and I see on my phone Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho and I watched the promo and I was squealing like a little girl <laughs> and it really hijacked my excitement for NFL Sunday because my excitement for NFL Sunday was wiped away by my excitement for Omega and Jericho. That kind of stuff doesn't happen that often as you become an adult where you have those complete markout moments where you become a kid again. That happened for me on Sunday morning when I found out about Omega and Jericho. That was my feel spot of the week and that does it for this week's edition of in this corner with the brian campbell the professional wrestling edition so for the silver king adam silverstein i am handsome nick costos bc brian campbell two words to take us into next week now tell me who's the fruit booty we out <laughs>